Welcome to episode 20 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. On Stageworthy, I interview people who make theater, actors, directors, playwrights, and more, and talk to them about everything from why they chose the theater to their work process and anything in between. Alisa Pyers is a dancer-choreographer. Her latest work, Exterminating Angel, would premiere at this summer's Toronto Fringe Festival and just launched a crowdfunding campaign on Fund What You Can. You can find Stageworthy on Facebook and Twitter at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website at StageworthyPodcast.com. If you like what you hear, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or Google Music or whatever podcast app you use, and consider leaving a comment or rating. You are a dancer choreographer, is that right? Yes. Okay. Um, is dance something that has always been a part of your life? Was it something you always wanted to do? Yeah, I can't remember making a decision to to pursue it or making a decision to want to join. It was something that my parents put me in as a kid. I They put me in a lot of sports and, and different activities and stuff as a child. Um but dance was the one thing that I, I guess I never complained about going. Um, <laughs> and I, they, you know, there's videos of me at Disneyland as a two-year-old dancing around and waiting because I couldn't go on the rides that my older brother could go on and just dancing and never being bored. Or, mm. um, yeah, and my my parents said that I would just shut myself in my room and just spend hours in there by myself dancing. They put up a mirror to this day in my childhood bedroom. There was a giant mirror on one of the walls and a little homemade bar that my dad made. And I would just spend forever in there. And I think that's where the choreographic side of it came from too, because I was taking classes. I mean, they had me in classes at my local studio, um, but it was really the time spent by myself dancing that I, I feel like I kind of fell in love with making my own movement. Um, so yeah, it, it was just always kind of a, a given that I was going to continue on and, and try to pursue a professional career. Like I said, I'd never felt like I made a choice. It became, do you know at what point it became obvious, like when you realized that it was something that you would do as a living as opposed to something that you just did to um, pass time or just to, to do? My parents never told me that I couldn't do it or that it wasn't a viable career option or anything like that. So it never felt like I didn't know that it could be a career. I was obsessed with hmm. Gene Kelly, he was my first crush and I loved all those old movies. And it was my mom, actually, both my parents were, uh, they're recently retired, but they were public school teachers. And my mom was a drama teacher and did um, the musical theater. And I was uh, in one of her shows. I was 2D and Meet Me in St. Louis when I was six years old. And so it, theater and the arts were, I always understood that it was a career I know a lot of people um, who who didn't know that they could pursue theater or dance. 
um, as a career until they were a little mm. bit older, but it was always very, it, it was always clear to me that that was something that I could do for the rest of my life and, and mm. hopefully get paid for it. And I mean, with dance, you kind of have to start training seriously as a kid. And so my, my mom says that she had, had a moment of realizing that I would, you know, that I had the talent to, to pursue it, um, when I was about 10, but I, to me, there was never that moment or never, a um, a decision. It was always just a given. You mentioned Gene Kelly and, uh, some of those old, those old movies. Do you remember what the first of those old movies Oh, that you saw with the singing and dancing was? Um, the one that comes to mind is Singing in the Rain, just mm-hmm. because it, it's one of my mom's favorites and, and is one of mine as well. I remember watching An American in Paris and um, mm-hmm. some of his other movies as a kid, but Singing in the Rain was kind of, I think we had the VHS of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that was that one was big for me. Oh, I also became obsessed with Meet Me in St. Louis because I was in the show. So that movie, although there's not a huge amount of dance in that movie, but um, just like old movie musicals, and mm. I like the old Newsies original movie with Christian Bale, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was kind of. <clears throat> my thing as a kid was mm. renting those movies and we used to be able to rent a bunch of um Cirque du Soleil shows they had done recordings of and our local mm. movie store had them I, I come from a pretty small town so I don't know why they had the Cirque du Soleil videos but <laughs> I used to watch those all the time too well you know it's actually in because you know if you have a, a small uh a small like mom and pop video store or video rental place. I think the selection was better there than at a blockbuster. Oh yeah, for sure. Where blockbuster only had new releases and some of the quote unquote family favorites. Right. 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 Um, and so you would almost never find anything except for stuff that was like a big hit. So you need like that mom and pop place where they've just got shelves and shelves and shelves of stuff that they love or that they know that people love or that people might love. Yeah. Um, did you go to school for dance? I did. Yeah, I went to Ryerson. So I'm originally from BC. Um, and then I moved to Toronto to attend Ryerson. I was in their dance program at the theater school there for four years. I graduated in 2012 and stayed in Toronto mm-hmm. after that. So um, we're coming up on eight years that I've been in Toronto, which is, it seems like, 15 years in some ways and it seems like 15 seconds in others what was it like for you what was the thought about moving from from bc to to toronto to for for dance was it was it something you were frightened by excited by both um i was really ready to go i actually graduated high school a year early i was pretty pretty set on moving on. And, and I felt like I was ready in, in my dance life and in my personal life, I was ready for, for more and something different. And so I was really excited to go. Um, 
I think I, I don't really think I was scared. I, I'm actually, um, getting married this summer, but my fiance and I were together then and we moved to Toronto, um, together. So having him with me and, and him making that move from our hometown to Toronto at the exact same time was comforting and kind of eased all my fears about, about being in a new city. But I really loved, I really loved discovering the city for myself. It was the first time I ever Mm -hmm. was in a place where somebody wasn't showing me around. Mm. It was mine to, to discover. And I remember getting my first Metro pass and just riding the streetcars to learn all the names of the streets because on the subway, you don't hear all the in-between streets or yeah, get to see yeah. them. So you don't get to see them, which is, yeah. you know, the streetcar is a great way to, to, to figure out, you know, where you are and totally. where everything is. Yeah. And just had to have a sense of how all of the neighborhoods relate to each other too. And how, <laughs> um, how they are in proximity to each other. So yeah, I've, I really, I loved that. Yeah. And I loved, I I love the multicultural aspect of Toronto. I love how many different types of people and different types of food and different types of art and and music and whatever. It's it, there's just so much compared to coming from a a small town that is. Well, I mean, I I grew up just outside of Victoria, and Victoria is not super small, but the community that I grew up in outside of Victoria is very small and everybody, um, yeah, it's, it's just small. So there's not as many options or there's not as many things Mm -hmm. going on. And I, I think I love where I grew up and I always enjoy going home and seeing my family and I miss them and I miss the ocean and I miss the mountains and the forests and all of that. Um, but I, I know that the life that I want to live and the life that I'm supposed to live is in a bigger city. Yeah. Uh, so Toronto is perfect for that at this point. Um, you're working on a show for uh, the Toronto Fringe Festival. It's I a am. dance show. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about, about that? Yeah, so the show is called Exterminating Angel, and it's based on Louis Bunuel's surrealist film, The Exterminating Angel. It's basically about, most people don't recognize the title, but when I tell them the plot, they they recognize it. It's a pretty well-known film, um, and it's about a group of wealthy dinner guests who, first, you know, they're coming together for this very fancy evening, and um, there's it's pretty evident early on that something's not quite right. The, all of the servants and the staff of the house are basically, you know, look like they're jumping off a sinking ship. They're all running and they're all leaving and they're all trying to get out. And by the end of the night, I mean, it's a surrealist film, so a bunch of weird stuff happens, but by the end of the night, they find that they can't leave the room Mm -hmm. and they're not physically trapped. There's nothing in their way but they, they just are, are psychologically trapped. They can't leave. And so what was a very pompous and um, pretentious gathering starts to disintegrate as they are struggling to find just basic necessities like food and water and 
um, they start to lose their marbles a little bit. Um, so the, the piece that we're making for Fringe is a full-length dance work. Uh, it's a contemporary dance theater, I would say. Um, it is not necessarily strictly narrative uh, as far as, you know, these are the characters and these are their names and this is how they all relate to each other. But it's um, an adaptation of, of those themes from that film. And so there's a cast of, of nine dancers, mm. and uh, which is quite large. Most contemporary dance pieces, just because of, of the budgets that we work with, um, often we are not able to have that many dancers. So mm. nine is quite big. Um, and we have an original score being composed um, by Adam Sakiyama, who is um other than my fiance, he's a Toronto based composer and he works in uh, online media and musical theater uh, and does lots of different composing. And um, so, yeah, he is making a, a new score for us. So it's exciting. It's definitely a lot of work, but I'm excited for audiences to be able to see it and hopefully for some non-dance audiences to be able to take a chance on our show because fringe is a really great opportunity to do that when the tickets are are very affordable and there's you know the shows are quick and there's so much going on we really hope that some people who maybe have never seen any dance before or maybe have an idea of what they think contemporary dance looks like or maybe they've seen dance before and they had a bad experience, or maybe they love dance and are a huge fan. We're hoping that we can reach out to all of those people and create a show that is athletic and physical in its, in its movement, but also really intimate and tender in its humanity. What would you say to somebody who was, if not averse to dance dance ignorant why who what would you say to somebody to convince them to to see your show in particular and or a dance show in general right the i think the number one thing especially with contemporary dance is that people have this feeling that they just don't get it they yeah. they don't get it they don't they want it to be less abstract or they want it to be more clear or whatever they, they want. They feel like sometimes everyone's understanding it and they're not. And that can be really alienating. Um, but what I would say to those people is that that's really not important. Understanding exactly what the choreographer meant in each moment is not important at all, really. In the way that when you look at an abstract painting, you're not you can find your own interpretation of it, or you can see your own imagery in it. Um, my argument all the time to, to people who are maybe a little bit nervous about seeing dance is that we as people communicate with our bodies every day. Mm-hmm. We, you know, there, what is that saying? There's 90% of communication is nonverbal. 
we use our mm -hmm. bodies constantly, our body language, we point, we gesture, we all know what it feels like to reach for something. We all know what it feels like to have the wind knocked out of you, to get bad news and feel like you can't breathe or to be so excited that you have this physical reaction or being so upset or so angry. We communicate and experience movement in our bodies every single day. And what I would say to those people is to use your knowledge of how your own body interacts with the world and view dance through that lens. So you don't need to perfectly interpret every moment the way the choreographer intended it to. What most choreographers intend is for you to just have some sort of reaction, some sort of feeling, whether it's of you know, being impressed by the, the athleticism and the physicality of the movement, whether it is relating to a specific gesture or relating to a specific feeling or just being moved um, by, by the emotion of the work, whatever it is, being able to just use your life experience and use that lens of, of, you know, view everything through the lens of your own experience, which is what we do when we see any type of theater. But I think with dance, for some reason, people just want it to be clear. And I would say to those people that you have all of the tools that you need to be able to have your own reaction. And whether that is clear or not, um, or whether that is what the choreographer intended or not, doesn't matter. I, I I happen to be one of those those people. Yeah. Uh, who is when I go to when I go to a dance show at Fringe, which is usually where I end up seeing seeing dance for the most part. Um, I find myself struggling to see what the narrative is, even if right. there isn't clearly a narrative. I'm as somebody who myself is a storyteller. I'm always looking for the narrative. Right. Wait, so and that's your that, lens. That's my lens, and I sometimes with with a dance show, I find it difficult to find it. That's right. not. I mean, that I know. I know that's my failing. Um, as far as an audience member, what I need to do, what I should, I think, do, is learn to just sort of accept it for what I'm seeing and try to right. take it in and interpret it later. But right. I also I find it very difficult to turn that part of my brain right. off. But I would also say there are many different types of dance and each choreographer is different. And so if you are somebody that likes to be able to find the story, maybe there is a, a different choreographer or a different type of of contemporary dance that would be more suited to you. I think for some reason, dance gets all lumped together in the way that mm -hmm. if you went to go see a play um, that was you know, very dark and maybe a little bit abstract. And then you went to go see a comedy that was very realistic and true to life. You would never say that those were the same thing. And, and people would come out of it and go, no, they wouldn't say, oh, I hate plays. They would say, oh, I hate comedies or I hate yeah, dark, yeah. whatever. Where with dance, a lot of people come out and they just go, I hate dance. So that's it. I'm never going to another right. dance show without yeah. And I, I know it's because the volume is so much less 
the dance mm-hmm. shows at Fringe are a very small portion. So, you know, that a lot of people just aren't exposed to dance in the same way that they are to theater. Um, but yeah, I would challenge audiences, even if you say you see a, a dance show at Fringe, hopefully you come see our show. I, I hope you don't hate it. But if you do, if you leave a dance show and you didn't like it or you didn't get it, I would challenge those audience members to try one more and try to find one that seems through the descriptions or through maybe any teasers that you're seeing online seems totally opposite. And then, and then see how you do with that. Just because there is, everybody is so different. I think um, I would describe our show as, as being highly physical and being very athletic um, and, and maybe on a more, uh, technical contemporary ballet in a, in a technical contemporary ballet way in some moments, um, where there might be other, I, I don't know. I know some of the artists who are making other dance shows for fringe, but I haven't seen their pieces yet. So I don't, um, I don't want to to speak for them, but some of them might be more pedestrian or some of them might be, um, a totally different style. Some of them might use text. Some of them might have live music, you know, it's, it's all so different. And I think my personal mission with fringe, obviously I want people to see our show. I want people to come and I want people to, to enjoy it. But my over, arching mission is just to get people to see more dance mm. and, and hopefully whether it's our show or, or another fringe uh, dance show um, just hopefully build a bigger audience for the other 50 weeks of the year because there is this your, is this your first Toronto fringe? This is my first Toronto fringe. Yes. Have you, uh, cause I know in my experience, it looks sometimes like, Okay, first off, in the Toronto, in, in most fringe festivals, it is hard to get your voice heard. Yeah, there's so um, much. There's so much. And it's hard in some ways to get your your voice heard as a dance show. Absolutely. Do you do you feel like um I mean you've spoken about dance generally getting up together. Um do you have a, a plan for getting your voice uh, and your show getting attention for your show a little more, or are you going to, are you more interested in like getting the dance in general, the raising the profile of dance in general at fringe? I both. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I want people to just go see dance, but of course I want people to see our show. Uh, and if you see one show dance show at fringe, obviously I would love it to be ours, but, mm-hmm. um, sorry, there's a fly buzzing around my face. Um, I want, (laughs) um, yeah, both. I I do want people to see more dance. Of course I want people to come see our show. Um, and I would, I would be lying if I said, Oh, I'm fine. If they go see another dance show instead of ours, you know, I, and so we are, I've spoken to a couple of the other dance artists in fringe this year, and we are trying to work together to help promote each other's shows and to be, really supportive of each other. Um, in that way, I am also trying to connect with a lot of, 
uh, a lot of other artists who are not doing dance shows and seeing how we can, you know, do ad swaps in our programs or um, how we can help support each other. And I think being strategic about what shows I'm reaching out to mm-hmm. by way of it being shows that I think are similar, although they're not dance shows, maybe their audience would be interested in if they were going to go see a dance show, they'd be interested in the type of mm-hmm. dance work that we are doing. So, I mean, it's a huge, it, it's, I think it's the struggle of every fringe show. Um, that is very true. And, and dances maybe even more so. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I'm working very diligently to make sure that I'm taking every opportunity for our show to be featured. Um, and, and for our, just because we're a dance work, not to be left out or not to be um, under the radar at all. So, I mean, that's a, a pretty big undertaking as the choreographer of the show and the producer of the show <laughs> to be trying to do all of that as well. But um, it's something that I, that I feel really passionately about. So, um, yeah, I hope people come, <laughs> but we're, yeah. we're, we're working our, uh, our brains out for, to make the show as good as it possibly can be. And then also to raise the profile and, and to be involved with as many other fringe activities. I think sometimes dance can be a little bit segregated just because as dancers, we're not as connected through the fringe community as maybe theater artists would be a lot of, I think in my cast, maybe only a handful, maybe even just one or two of the dancers have been in fringe shows before. Mm -hmm. This is my first time being involved in, in a Toronto fringe show. Um, the composer for our show has composed before for fringe, um, in the past. And even just, even just as a composer, he's been way more involved and knows that many more people just because it's part of, I feel like it's more part of the theater community than Mm -hmm. it is the dance community. Yeah. It's so So important when you're, when you're doing fringe to, to be involved in like, to make sure that you are, you know, at the fringe tent and meeting people and, and seeing stuff and, and, and seeing so much of it. And I think that a lot of theater people yep. don't do enough going to dance, to be honest with you. And I mean, I know that I find the same. Um, it's hard. It's, I think what I was saying before the technical issues began, um, which might not make any sense to anybody who missed the part that I'm about to edit out. Um, I think I was saying, actually, do you remember what I was saying? Cause I may have forgotten. You were saying that it was, it's important to go oh, yeah. see other it, shows. It, it is important to see other shows. And I think that I know for me, um, one of the, there's the, the pressure, the fringe pressure of seeing the shows that all your friends are in. And while also trying mm-hmm. to see stuff, uh, and expand your, your theatrical palette, as it were, just to get out and see a little bit more than, than usual. 
Um, right. It's, it's definitely hard to get outside of that. Um, yeah. I don't even know if I have a question. There. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I think it's a good point. I think it's a good point. And I think it's, again, I think it's tougher for people in the theater community because the volume is just that much greater and it's, and it's more um, integrated into into the community in that way where the dance shows are a lot less. So for our community, there there's only a handful of shows to see anyway. Mm -hmm. And if you know anybody, there you go. They're pretty much going to be in just those shows. Um, But so I am certainly going to be working to see everything I can outside of, as well Mm -hmm. as the, the dance shows and, um, and hopefully challenging other people to do so as well on both sides of that. Mm. You're not currently in Toronto, are you? I am not. I am sitting on the living room floor at my grandmother's house in Kelowna. Uh, And uh, are you preparing for your show out there? Um, We just had some rehearsals. I'm actually away for all of May, I um, am adjudicating a couple of different dance competitions and um, planning my wedding, which is this August. Uh, and I'm <laughs> attending a family wedding. So it was a trip that was planned prior to us getting into Fringe. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had, we auditioned for the show, um, which was super exciting because there aren't a lot of open call auditions for, for contemporary dance work in Toronto. So we had we had to split the audition into two between the two live auditions and some video submissions. We had over 150 people audition wow. for eight contracts. We have nine dancers, but one of them um, was already cast. So yeah, it was it was crazy, and it, it was awesome to see that kind of interest and that kind of energy mm. in the room. And um, it's tough. I mean to have to see that many talented people and have to say no, because it's just the reality of it. Um, but it, it was a really amazing experience. I was very humbled by it to see mm-hmm. that many people come out. Um, but that was in February. So we did that in February and we, I actually, my company produced um, uh, another show in March. So we did that first. And then right when that was done, we started, rehearsing for fringe and we had rehearsals throughout the last month uh and then i'm gone and it is my administrative month so i am taking care of all of the all of uh the marketing and publicity stuff that i can do um connecting with people and trying to set up set up things just Mm -hmm. like this and um we also are going to be launching our crowdfunding campaign in just a couple of days. Um, and so that will be happening while I'm away. So it's going to be a very busy, um, time. My, uh, the composer is currently writing the music for the show as well. So we are very much, um, talking through all of that. Once I'm back at the beginning of June, we will be going into an intensive rehearsal period where we're together four days a week. Um, and, and, and finishing up the show and by finishing up, I mean making the show, um, at that point when I'm back in June. So it's, it's kind of a different thing for fringe because, you know, they're, 
they want to help us promote the show. So they're like, they're asking questions, very specific questions about it. And they're, um, and a lot of it is, is still up in the air because that's how, <laughs> that's how dance works are made. They're, yeah. um, unless you're doing a remount, you're making it in the room. I can't write a script at two o'clock in the morning when I feel yeah. inspired, I have to wait until I'm with, I'm in a room with bodies. And so that's a, I guess a unique aspect to, to creating mm-hmm. a dance work is that you can't, I can't just send somebody a script and say, Hey, can you read through this or, or can you learn this and we'll start rehearsals next week or whatever. Um, so it's, it's a challenge, but it's also the exciting part yeah. about what we do is that it lives in the dancer's bodies day to day. I mean, I film everything on my phone and, um, that's helpful for the composer and that's helpful for us, for our memories, but it really is within the bodies of the dancers. And as the movement becomes more settled and it becomes more consistent, we are, the challenge then becomes to bring back the immediacy and bring back the, that feeling of it being for the first time, mm. which I, is something that I think all performers struggle Absolutely. with. Um, but because of the the physical nature, we want the movement to be really settled in their bodies. Um, but at the same time, to to have that energy of it of it being the first time. So, and as things change, what details are we retaining, and what details are we kind of letting go of? It's always funny to watch the old rehearsal videos once the show is is set. Mm because there's inevitably things that have fallen by the wayside and, and small details that didn't seem important at first that are now the, the highlight of that moment. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we will be, this is admin month and then we're going back into, um, our intensive creative period in June. I'm, I'm curious about, uh, the process or your process of composing or sorry, uh, choreographing, because, right. um, I mean, in, in my mind, and I'm sure in a lot of people's minds, um, dance comes from the music or is, and I think that, you know, it's hard to choreograph without it, but it sounds like you're sort of like getting a sense of it without the music or what is the process of, of creating yeah. a show like this? Like, I think every, for me personally, every piece is different. Sometimes the music comes first and I'm very inspired by that and wanting to make something that, that really is linked to the music in that way. And sometimes it's, it's something else entirely. So for this show, it's images and moments, particularly moments that I've, I've been inspired by the movie or, um, thoughts or concepts of how those themes from the film could physically translate. And sometimes, sometimes I get images. So for this show, I had an instant image of what the first moment of the piece would be, which is always a good sign to me if I know what the opening is and I feel strongly about it. Um, so I'm not going to give it away. Um, I had a very clear image of what the opening of the piece would be. And so normally the way it happens is we come into the the studio and I say to the dancers, okay, this is kind of my thought for this moment. And a lot of, and I, a lot of the time they 
I'll say, so maybe I think it starts like this or something like this. And we use their improvisations and their input as well. A lot of the time, especially when we're making um, partnering work, I'll say, you know, where does it feel like you can go next or what's your impulse? Does it feel like you want to go this way or that way or what's the impulse? And then based on that, sometimes I'll go, yes, that's exactly it. Okay, what's next? And sometimes I'll go, "Mm, no, maybe not. Um, And so it really, it depends um, on what the moment needs. A lot of the time, because I'm not physically going to be performing the piece and um, the, the movement has to live in the bodies of the dancers. So especially with partnering or with big physical um, lifts and stuff like that, it's less about me going, okay, now your left arm is going to go exactly here and your right arm is going to do this. And it's more about me saying, I think her body goes up this way and then her leg kind of does that and you catch her this way and maybe it makes this image and then the dancers very much are figuring mm-hmm. it out with me. Um, and, and so there's a a huge amount of trial and error, mostly error, but, um, but that's, that's the fun. And then occasionally when we're making more phrase work, so something that would be in unison or something that, um, is more specific. A lot of the time we are still making it collaboratively in that way that I'm going, what's next? Maybe it's something like this, but I'm dictating more the specifics in that moment. There's um, at the beginning of our show, not the very beginning, not the opening image, but um, near the beginning of our show, there's um, a unison sequence of gesture. This is, that's supposed to represent the, the formality, the dinner party, the, the pomp and all of that. And so the gestures are very specific. And so we, we are working on them together. um, But in that case, I have to say, no, I need your left hand exactly mm-hmm. here. Um, and then in the, the, in the bigger stuff, it's really, it's really the dancer's input as much as mine. Sometimes I see very specific images, like the dancer is connected to the other dancer in this way, or they're, they're st- I think it's a turn and then this happens. Um, and sometimes it's just a feeling or it's just, a, I think, I think this character quote character has this relationship or or something happens to them in this way um and so the music we often play music in rehearsal just for the vibe or the kind of the ambiance of what that moment is going to be and then that for the composer becomes kind of a temp track for Mm -hmm. for him to think okay this is well this is the tempo that she wants or this is for the gesture sequence it's a it's a waltz it's a three four and we've choreographed it to that and so the music that he is writing is not the same as what we've been using in rehearsal but it's the same tempo and it's Mm -hmm. a waltz Mm -hmm. and so yeah that i feel very fortunate to be able to work with him and and to say you know, I liked it better when it was the oboe instead of the flute or this tempo actually, you know, for the dancers, it needs to be a little bit faster or it needs to be a little bit slower or whatever. Um, so that's, I, that's a luxury that a lot of people don't have. And, and so I'm very fortunate for that. It also helps that we don't have to pay any royalties or anything <laughs> like that on the music. Do you, is this your first time working with your fiance in this way or is this? Yeah. No, 
no, he's made, um, he's composed for me many times before. This is the the largest scale project we've done together. He's written music for shorter works for me. And he's done a lot of, um, he's done a lot of more sound design for me as well, where I have a piece of music and then, but I kind of want this effect and then I want this to happen. And, and so he will, he, he does a lot of that type of stuff for me as much as he does original composition. Uh, so it'll be kind of a blend of yeah. both. I mean, it's all, everything will be his, mm-hmm. but the, um, not all of it is super melodic. So you're, you're currently, uh, off in, in BC doing your admin month. How much time yeah. in terms of, in terms of hours goes into putting this show together once you're into her, your, your intense rehearsal period, how many hours a day, how many days a week are you, are you working here until the fringe in at the beginning of July? Our physical rehearsals, when we will be actually in the studio with the dancers, we're doing currently what we have scheduled is four days a week for four mm. hours um, each day. Mm. And that's not, always with all of the dancers, sometimes working with just a soloist or just on a specific section. Um, that's just the creative mm. side. And then I'll go home and I'll do all the admin and um, also be fine tuning the score with the composer and, um, and all of that. So for me, certainly I imagine that I will be working for, eight to 10 hours a day on the show, but physically in the rehearsal with the dancers, it's, it's just, um, it's just Mm -hmm. those, I guess, 16 hours a week. Do you, Um, you you were saying that you videotape everything when you get back, uh, from your rehearsal, are you reviewing the videotape, the video and, and, and making notes and changes or is it, uh, do you go with your instinct in the room more than the video? A lot of the time I'll, I'll, I'll watch the video kind of obsessively until the next rehearsal and, and I'll, it'll just give me an idea of maybe where to go mm-hmm. next or, or maybe some edits that I want to make. But, um, and it's also good for the dancers too to see where we rehearse primarily doesn't have a mirror, which is kind of unusual mm-hmm. for, for dance, um, but that's just the space I have a residency at. So um, mm-hmm. I kind of love it because not when we're doing the super detailed gesture, that's helpful to have a mirror, but I love it because the dancers really are right away using their eyes inside mm-hmm. of the movement. Cause there isn't that temptation to look right. away or just to check in. Um, so they're, they're instantly already invested in, in the, the focus of the piece, which most professional dancers do right away anyway, but there, there's just not that temptation. Um, so I Dropbox all of the videos to the dancers so that they also have the opportunity to watch it. Because a lot of the time, especially if there's, you know, nine bodies in the room, I can't be watching everybody the whole time. And so sometimes they'll watch the video and go, oh my gosh, I was using the wrong arm there. or I was doing something totally different or the angle of that. Or I think their lift is better because they do this. We should try to do that. Mm. So it's a, it's a helpful tool. And especially because obviously I would, I would love to have 
way more rehearsal time with the dancers. I, you know, I would have loved to have been working on this show for the past of year course, yeah. full time. Um, so it's, it's a helpful tool in the short amount of time that we have together to just for them to be able to do some of that research on their own. Um, and just being able to, to come back in the next day with a, with a deepened perspective, mm-hmm. um, of what we are working on. That's really cool. Um, now, do you, do you have a web presence for your, your company and your show? Yeah. So, well, I, in my admin month, I'm going to be revamping my website, but, um, my, the, my website, which is also the company website is just alisapires.com. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash dance. And we're on Instagram at Elisa Pyers, on Twitter at Elisa Pyers. Um, and we are going to be, I don't have the link right now for our uh, Fun What You Can campaign, but that will be coming up very shortly in the next couple of days. Um, but that can be found on our Facebook page as well. Um, we did a really awesome promo photo shoot. My fiance actually also is a very talented photographer, which that is helpful is for helpful. me. So, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, so he took these amazing pictures um, at the Clay and Paper Theater space, which unfortunately I believe is no longer. Um, and so, yeah, they, we are, I haven't released all of those photos yet. So if, um, if you like our Facebook page, you'll be able to see all of those amazing photos as they come out. And, um, and all of our little updates and, and teasers that we will be releasing between now and the show. That's great. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today, Lisa. Thank you so much for talking to me. I'm glad we were able to chat. And hopefully, as someone who's a little bit scared of dance, hopefully we've eased that fear just slightly. I think you have. Cool. I, that's my, my, my main goal. <laughs> Great. <laughs>